Welcome to Speaking in Spoons, the chronically ill podcast with your host, Christina Brooklyn. My name is Christina Brookman, and I am your host with Speaking in Spoons. When here we have our lovely co-host Lexi and Nate, and uh, with us today we have Jonathan Willard, and he is here to tell us his personal story um, with autism and juvenile diabetes. Um, so, Jonathan, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here. Uh, hi. As you can tell by now, right right now I'm pretty awkward. Uh, name's obviously Jonathan. Uh, wow. Okay. I'm autistic, and uh, obviously diabetic too. So. Yeah. How long, when were you diagnosed with autism? Oh, 10? I think I was about 10. I did a, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm like you guys all have a script and I and I don't have that script. We don't really That's have a script. Like, we just wing uh, it. We really do wing it every, every uh, episode. I'm talking about that. We can get life on that. Life in general. My, my life in general is like a is like uh walking through a movie without a script. So it's kind of it's interesting, like thinking of it that way. I I like that you like that's such a great visual for people to kind of kind of understand what it's like. Like like you feel like like you don't know what the cues are and like what the how to participate, yeah. what the answers are. Yeah, I have to be in the right situation to be able to know what, what to do, but most of the time I don't. Most of the time I'm just there I'm trying to... Figure out to... what movie you're in? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what movie I'm in. Usually. Okay. What was it like in school? Like with academics you know well academics uh it was difficult because i always felt like an alien in the room i always felt separate and apart from everybody else i mean i guess i wish i was lower functioning because they they seem like they don't they're not i'm cursed with hyper i'm hyper aware of my disabilities so and i I always imagine if I was lower functioning autistic, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't stress out about it as much. So it causes you anxiety. Yeah, it's, it's like the lower functioning kids in the special ed class weren't aware that they were put apart from the, from everybody else. They were. Yeah. They seemed, they seemed pretty happy, but I was always like right on the edge. I'm like. I'm actually my form of autism is is I'm one of nine people in the world with my form of autism. Okay. Because uh, well, mine is coupled with a uh, a brainwave disorder. I really can't talk about my autism without talking about my cerebral dysrhythmia, which is overactive brainwaves. Just imagine oh, like interesting. A, Oops, sorry. It's it's like a uh, hurricane in my head. And, uh, imagine thinking everything that you need to do in the day all at once and you can't focus on any of them for more than a short period at a time. And you don't always retain all the information from that particular thought process. And so you're trying to, it's like trying to wade through 10 feet of snow with no equipment. Wow. I can and imagine like, that makes how does that affect your like um what was it like making friends growing up 
and socializing yeah. with all of that. Cause I imagine like with school and then with everything else, you're like wading through stuff, right? That's a lot to absorb and see. I didn't make friends. People made friends with me. Okay. So essentially I was, I was, for the most part, I was alone uh, unless either my mother put me purposely with another person or, or somebody decided they were going to be nice enough to come up and hug me. There were on the rare, rare occasions that I actually did make friends. It was with uh, lower functioning autistic people like my friend, Jeff, Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Riley. He's probably in his forties now. Uh, but he's like 10 or 20 years older than me. He's older now, but I remember having a strange connection with lower functioning autistic people. Like, I seem to get them more than their parents did. So, so it's like yeah. in my form of autism, it's like right on the edge of, of normal and on the edge of not. And it was kind of like I was, uh, people would joke, like, hey, the autistic person whisperer. I'm like, no. I, I just see their world same. It's just. Yeah. Well, I mean, we understand that in a way, and that sometimes our forms of disability are invisible. So other people don't see us as disabled, you know? So it's always like we're right on that line of, or, you know, we are disabled, but there's like that, that line, you know? Um, in your thought yeah. processes that you explained, that sounds just like how I feel with ADHD. All I mean, I have ADHD too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have ADHD, autism, PSD, borderline personality disorder, and then it's all encompassing between the cerebral dysrhythmia. Imagine the cerebral dysrhythmia as like the cerebral dysrhythmia and the autism as the first top two tiers, and everything branches off from them. Like, like, and then you got my. And you got ADHD, and then you got my anxiety, behavioral, and then you got all my trauma, which is pre presented itself as the PTSD and the borderline personality disorder. And then, then I have a learning, I had a learning disability too. Like, I had a heart. I, I couldn't write, I couldn't write an essay without my dad dictating what I wanted to put in the essay because I could. It's like I could I could form it up here in my head. I just couldn't get it on the paper. On the paper, but yeah. It was always easier for in in school to have my dad write all my essays out. I just dictate them to him. We we kind of came up with the process, uh, outline, kind of get ideas, and then and then he would kind of help me organize my thoughts and write them on the paper. So. <laughs> I think people think there's like one correct way to write a paper or write in general and everybody needs has different ways that work for them and like you like that's really great that you were able to collaborate with your father and find something that worked for you. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Now math, learning math, my see it's funny. In my family my dad's like he's got like a master's degree in mathematics and my mother was an engineer and stuff, so they all like really into math. And my my brother was was pretty much a nerd too, math nerd too. And here I come along, I can't even I couldn't couldn't even do division until I was twenty three. Without I still got to use a calculator. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm start I'm just I'm just now grasping things that people get in like maybe. I'm not sure what they're teaching, how, how much, what they're teaching at what age, but it, I probably have like a fifth grader, maybe, maybe even a less than a fifth grade understanding of math. So. Well, and some of those learning disability, I have, I just found out I have a learning disability in math. Um, and it's the, in like the, um, like what they call like the simple math, like that you're talking about, like the, the um division or like i cannot add to save my life or like mm -hmm. subtract multiply i get so mm -hmm. confused um but oh, give me abstract thoughts and like i'm like oh we could talk about that okay but imagine okay so now you got this learn i we, we both have a learning disability but imagine 
not only do you have a learning disability and you have a hard time grasping, retaining information, but imagine you also have a hurricane in your head. Yeah. And your perception of the world is pretty much on its head. And yeah. and you're being pulled to, and you're being thrown it's like being thrown into a pool without a lesson and being pulled to swim and expected to, to swim. Or it's like a, being a it's like telling a fish it's gotta start walking and breathing air. Right. You're really good with your descriptions, Jonathan. Like uh, really I good. Like I can write poetry, so You do? That's a good album. Yeah. Oh, I wish I I we could have shared your poetry. Yeah, is there um, anything you want to share right now? Yeah. Like, like here you are. Don't yeah, share. share your poetry. Just spoken yeah. with no pressure. No pressure. You don't have to do that. Please understand that there's no pressure. This is not performance pressure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh that's a love poem. Um uh, Oh, you guys are getting a love poem. Yay! Awesome. We love those. Well, I got to hear. Um, your love is my elixir. Tis magic, this feeling of everlasting joy and love. Your love is my life force, for without it shall perish like a, like burning embers upon the breeze. Your love is everything I know not. Love till you descended from on high, eternally beautiful, starlighted. Got a struck, stuck in my soul, and became everything that has always been and shall always be. Your love is everything to me, and you restore my soul and the fire within my heart. Uh, <laughs> the last part is just me telling her I love her. That's beautiful. Wow. It's called <laughs> um, it's the love of a star-lighted goddess. That's really, you're really talented. That's really beautiful. To be honest, I, hmm? thank you. She's telling me to say thank you, and I'm all like, I love you. Oh, <laughs> you two are so cute. <laughs> yeah. But usually a poem, unlike when I was in school and I had my dad to dictate everything down, poetry for me, my my writing, I guess, strategy is like, I don't know, I find a feeling and then words come to me and I might play with them in my head, might, might find myself saying it out loud, but if it doesn't sound right, it goes back into the back of my head to, to recycle and come back, maybe further developed. It's like it's like I'm writing it right now as we speak, because I, I got so many things going on in my head that it's like I'm almost subconsciously writing poetry. But it's 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 but it's like it's like I'm peering through a keyhole or something at at the poem, and so I only get so much. But sometimes the door opens and I write it down. That's cool. So isn't Do you it keep a... like, sorry. So don't they say clinically, like, you know, it's hard for autistic people to process their emotions or identify their emotions. How do you feel like the poetry has helped you in, in identifying or processing emotions? Well, I, I guess it helps me realize that because sometimes it's like, I know I feel I feel love, I feel anger, I feel hate. I can know I feel all these things, but I feel oddly detached from feelings, even though I'm feeling them really strongly. Sometimes I feel detached from my own feelings. It's like I feel them, but I don't feel them all at once. But I'm feeling, it's like feeling everything, but nothing at all. But you really don't know what you're feeling. And if, even if they're, sometimes you get so paranoid, you think that nothing you feel is real, but you know it's real. It's just you feel oddly detached. Yeah. And then you feel bad because you don't feel like you don't feel everything the way other people feel. Like when you feel like you should. Yeah. It's 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 like my emotions are my own hurricane their own separate hurricane. 
like a tornado going through the hurricane in my mind. Really don't know, feel oddly detached that they're there. I'm, I'm very aware of them. They're there. Sounds they're lonely in a way. Is that, do you feel lonely because of that? It does make me feel a little lonely, but it's like being lonely, but not lonely at the same time. It's, it's, it's neither, it's not, it's not, it's funny. Either I'm really, it's funny because when it comes to like, um, like absolutes, I, I'm like, something has to be one way or another. It can't be in between, but my emotions are just, are different. Uh, maybe someone should ask me a question. I'm feeling like I'm losing direction here. Oh no, you're you're doing great. Um, I was seeking. I was wondering. We, we've talked about like when you you first got diagnosed and being a kid going through school. Um, and it sounds like your parents were very helpful. What was it like transitioning to being outside of the home and kind of living oh. on your own? I kind of had, I kind of was, I kind of moved essentially in a way, not like I was like all my own, on my own. Cause I was in, I was in a psychiatric facilities since I was 16. Okay. When, when I was, as I got older, my anger, issue, my impulsivity and my anger and well, well, I'll talk about how diabetes played into that, a, a lot of that, but, um, as I got older, I got bigger and stronger, and my anger. And then when I was ten, uh, it all really started to go down. Ten when I was ten, and they were able to put up for me, put up with it. They didn't know what to do for six years. But uh, when I was ten, my my aunt died of um, cancer. Her name was Lisa Lynn Troyer. Um, she was a professor and a teacher and she did a lot of things she was an old soul even though she died only when she was 30 but um that really messed me up because i thought doctors were magic see my yeah in my brain my autistic brain doctors are magic and in a way i i I hate losing my aunt, but I feel like learning that doctors weren't magic prepared me for um for diabetes being diagnosed with diabetes four years later. When I was fourteen is when I got diagnosed with diabetes. Okay. <laughs> but it was it's type one. Yeah. Type one. I'm a type one brittle diabetic, which means that uh, I have less. I make I make absolutely no insulin whatsoever. I'm completely dependent upon the insulin that I inject. But it wasn't always that way. This happened. No, it's okay. genetic. It, it was a mixture of genetics and a a bill of, a, a pill called uh, Risperdon, and and then Abilify kind of was the one that was the nail in the coffin for me, pretty much when it came to the genetics. And then I had a medication I was taking that brought it on early. Imagine, imagine you're, you're 13 or 14 and, you know, yeah, you lose weight when you, when you go through puberty, you know, your body's changing. We just thought I was going through puberty because I was losing, I was like a 300 pound kid that went down to like, I went in like three months. I went from, from like my weight of three of like 280 down to like. 200 and then and by the time it was like by the time i was almost i was still 14 uh it's like by the end of the year i was like 90 pounds skin and bone like i looked like one of those uh third world country kids because i was because you could see my ribs i mean if you looked at me naked before that or just boxers or whatever my point is, I was skin and bone. Yeah. yeah. That's why they thought something was wrong. I was, so and I was drinking massive amounts of water. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, that makes my, sense. My routine, was, my routine was, the, was to sneak up four jugs of water and just drink water. You were, like, always thirsty. Always thirsty. Definitely and, was getting, and, my, and here's where um, the diabetes kind of... I mean, 
they didn't they didn't do anything but high sugar raises your aggressiveness and when you're running at a blood sugar of 700 constantly and you're getting no insulin you know when you don't know no one knows that that's what the problem was with me but so my increased aggressiveness and then i mean sure we knew once we figured out i was diabetic and oh my goodness so just going just circling back to the whole diabetes story so let me just tell you about the diabetes story real quick so um i was 14 and you know like i said i was been drinking a lot of water and i just wasn't sleeping nothing uh losing a lot of weight of course and so they did some blood work and man they must have found something really quick because they called my mom like a couple hours later and said his blood sugar is 700 you guys got to take him to the hospital and so i was in the hospital for a few days and they they put ivs on me and told me i couldn't have this and then i look at my mom once everything i settled down they're like can you go get me a soda and she brings me back a diet soda and i'm like what oh i mean i can't (laughs) better or worse i was like (laughs) But now I can't even I can't even imagine drinking regular soda on the like a, like I I used to when I was when I was younger when I was a kid. Now diet soda just tastes right. But back then, man, I was like, "What the hell was this, mom?" I can imagine that was a huge adjustment. Oh yeah, yeah but. But the funniest thing was watching my dad because they wanted to show everybody how it would be to get insulin injections. So they they would just take an insulin an insulin needle with no insulin in it and just stick it in, show everybody how it feels. And so my dad was crying <laughs> as they were. He he'll deny this up and down. If you he, he'll <laughs> tell the story differently, but he was crying and they they stuck him. He's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> And then, like, 15 minutes later, he's sitting there going, like, well, this is a very superior needle. <laughs> what type of needle is this? Oh, yes, Nano. Goes right through the centers. That's why I didn't feel anything. Jonathan, you're going to like these needles. And I'm like, Dad, they've already stuck me with a thousand needles today. You just got one. And you... He wanted a... Like, he wanted a cookie. But it was funny. <laughs> My mom... My mom, my mom didn't even notice it. She was like, "Is it in?" I'm resisting a joke there, but okay. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we all were. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, what? Um, <laughs> how has this uh changed? You know, your life, like the diabetes, and that. I mean, oh you can't God. have obviously like the sugary stuff anymore, but. Like, um, like, do you have to have any devices? Like, oh yeah. Um, so when I first started off, it, I was just the 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 manual meter. It was just a manual meter and a bottle, a little bottle of what we call the glucose test strips or blood strips. You you put them in the meter. It beeps up. It loads up, and then the little strip icon will come with a little blood droplet. And then you then you got to take the pricker. And you got to sanitize the finger and prick your finger, and then, then you got to get a blood droplet out. Then you got to wipe that blood droplet off because the, what people don't know is that the stuff that you initially put it could be containing what's body, just body fluid, which isn't it's different from blood. It can have a lot of excess sugars and give an inaccurate reading. So you always wipe the first drop because it, it's contaminated with body fluids. But second yeah. drop, but um. As I progressed, and then I had, I guess, ins- as far as insulin back then, it was a vial and syringe, just a regular old pool syringe. But as I progressed, they introduced me to what were insulin pens, which looks like a regular pen with a cap on, but you pull it out, and it's like a, a pen-shaped vial connected to a device that you can you can dial up, and you screw on these little needle tips, and you got to change you know, change them ever so often but they tell you to change them daily or each injection but you can get away with using one per day if you are gentle and use because the, the cap has two caps there's a little cap that goes over the needle and then over the whole thing 
you want to save the little cap because the little cap can um, be on the needle and the pen cap can go over top, which is very helpful. But um, that that that's the type of insulin I'm using nowadays. Um, nowadays for blood sugar, I'm using what's called a um, a, a continuous glucom uh, a continuous gluco monitoring system. But I like to uh, they like DCMs or something continuous CGMs or something. But um, I call it a sensor, a blood sugar glucose sensor. Um, the one I have. It's like a little, it's a little device oh, okay. that, that stays connected to my body, and there's a little transmitter in the center that snaps in. And let's see here, do I? Where it's in my pocket somewhere. I have a reader that um, here's my reader. This is not good. Haha. <laughs> oh wait, oh. ADHD oh, brain. Forget what what it um. Okay. So I can't see it very well on the screen because it's blurred. No, it came out well, yeah. You're right at 185. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so it, I'm guessing that's, that's difficult to... I can't even imagine trying to... Um, that would be difficult for me to to manage like the, the glucose... Um, monitoring well, how, how how what's that like to do with the adhd and the, the autism with your brain the way you've described well it's it's good because it's always there and it's always telling me what's going on okay the out of sight out of sight it doesn't exist that's what was so bad about trying to remember to test manually was i mean i was pretty good i got into the swing of things but of testing manually but i always had to be reminded or right. or I, i'd always remember like three hours after i ate something to test and like oh but with the with this so essentially the sensor actually is as complicated as that sounds that actually once you figure that out it makes man it's making it's it helps me always be aware of what my sugar is because it's always there but it can get annoying, like when I'm, because it constantly remind when I'm low. It's like you're low, and we're and I'm eating something. I'm like, I know I'm eating something. Beep 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 beep. beep. Yes, I'm eating something. Um, what? Uh, I know you you mentioned before. You said you had a case manager. What do they um help you with? Like, what do they do? Oh my goodness, case. Caseworkers, therapists, psychiatrists. Um, well, I've had psychiatrists since forever. Probably need to, to get. I probably. I think I'm. I have a appointment with mine soon, so that's good. But um, I have. But more importantly, the uh, the person that I work with most a lot of the time is uh, a uh, he's a mental health skill builder or something. Okay. But he calls him. He calls himself my caseworker because technically that too. Uh, okay. He's, he's, I'm actually just a part-time job. He's only. He's actually works for the government for the more go governmental department services that works with kids, and they usually are over the phone. Or and he has a few that he he does some things with, but he works mostly with children. But I guess that makes him. Because he he understands my uh, development and delays and stuff, so I mean, me and him have butted heads, but he's, yeah. he's been good. That's good. Um, he did me a he he rescued he called he actually is the one who called and got me arrested after my but he actually did me a favor. I back then I didn't see I didn't see it as a favor, but I mean, he essentially got me out of there, and that was the only thing he could think of. So. Um, what advice would you give to, um, like families and loved ones, uh, and teachers, uh, working with someone who is, um, high functioning autistic, or, um, you said the lower, you've had friends that were lower functioning autistic. Yeah. I mean, the lower off functioning autistic people, 
I mean, they they seem to always be really mellow. Like, yeah, they didn't really have anger. See, I feel like since I was higher functioning, I was as much as I'm not in tune with my emotions all the time. I feel like I I feel anger more easily. I'm I feel and anger, unfortunately, is something I know too well a little bit for me. It's one I'm familiar with, but I don't think the lower functioning autistic people I've met have been very angry people. They've just been there. I mean, they, it's not to say they don't like get upset and have episodes, but I mean, I, I guess I call what I happen, my anger, I call it episodes, but I used to black out and not remember much from when I got really upset when I was younger. Yeah. It was always like, oh, and then it was like maybe a psych ward stay for like a week or two. It's difficult. Yeah. Diabetes is it's it's annoying. It's a constant annoyance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it made, right? Like your life is do you diet soda now? Do you like try to avoid a lot of sugary foods or, or are you just careful when you eat them? I'm, I both avoid and I, I avoid them at the right times, like when my sugar's up, but I can eat them within moderation, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I noticed you ate a bagel. <laughs> like that seems like, like a big problem, right? Like some, if you ate too many bagels, it might cause some issues. Uh, that's the big misconception about diabetes. Everybody's like, oh, no, this is diabetic. He can't eat anything fun. And I'm like, okay. Well, it, but it's, when it, when it's, there's things called carbo carbohydrates and stuff. And, and everything has carbohydrates. Like the bagel was like, I don't know, like 40 carbohydrates. And cream cheese was like maybe 13 maybe a little bit more, probably like 23. So that's, which remind, I took insulin for that. I, I calculated, let's see, what am I doing today? It was one for every 10. So like, like let's say I ate 70 carbs. That takes seven units for one for every, one unit for every 10 carbs ingested. Now, the thing about carbohydrates, I talk a lot about sugars, but carbohydrates in the stomach break down into sugars. Yeah. Yeah. You feel, feel like, like you feel like you always have to know how many carbs are in a food. Like you're very neurotic about knowing. Like there's 40 carbs in the bagel. There's you like you have to know specifics that people the normal people would not need to think about for their food. Well, I mean, I've got when at first I used to carry around a nutritional facts book, I, the Calorie King. Book. I used to, I used to get the new edition every year from from uh, Border Books or Barnes and Noble. It was the Calorie King nutritional guide, and it had like all the restaurants and and then a bunch of just normal foods broken down, and you could just I had to break. I literally didn't. They didn't have the restaurant in there one time, and I had to break down each food and just look up each like actual foods but but that's why you got the new edition because there was new restaurants in each one of them so was... yeah so you had what to like meditate a lot of what you did food wise because of your illness i feel like it's it's something people don't think about that you really you have to know these things but now, but now i i i can look at i can pretty much without really looking up anything now i can I can roughly estimate with with accuracy how much carbs are in something. But that's not to say I don't look on things to see how much carbs are in them, but I don't just have like the superpower like up oh, that's forty carbs, that's sixty carbs. I, I still, <laughs> no, it's it's more like a rough estimate of things I'm familiar with. It's like it's like it's like when I go somewhere, I don't really think about the roads, I think about the buildings. Wait, that's where was a I great going way of that? describing it, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for coming on. I think a lot of people can benefit from 
hearing you talk about, uh, you just gave such incredible descriptions of what it's like for you um, with um, both the diabetes and the the autism and the ADHD. Um, and I think that's just really helpful for people to hear. So thank you. Do you have anything, any further questions, Nate? Oh, uh, no, I think, I think I answered my questions. Like I really am fascinated with how much, because I have to do a lot for my illness. I have to think about what I'm going to do and like plan it, plan things out. And I feel like diabetes is similar because you do have to sort of, like I'm not, I'm saying you're so familiar with it. You can kind of just do it now, which I, is similar for me, but just like in the beginning, you really had to think about what your next steps were. And I think that's, yeah. that's a big common thread between a lot of illnesses. You have to oh, stop you and you're like, I need to plan. My dad used to take my my dad when I was younger had a habit of taking over and just doing doing all the calculations and everything. It was um, a bit of a struggle trying to learn. While my dad would make it so easy for me to just sit back and be lazy about right. it because he would take control. So, and they but, want to actually hindering you to not make you do it. Yeah. Yeah, but luckily when. I guess moving out at 16 when I was in facilities after 16 because my anger got too much and family didn't feel safe. So, but, but yeah, that was since I, since I was pretty much in facilities since I was 16, I was kind of forced to learn. And so I didn't have my dad right. coddling me. So that was great. Are you still close with them? Yeah, I'm still pretty close with my family. My dad daily he helps me out financially some a lot. So, is yeah. there any final things that you wanted to say before we signed off? Um, if you meet someone in public that's autistic or somebody that seems off. Sometimes you just you yourself need to step back because they were all, they're caught in some snafu in their head and and like they could just want their milk but they can't tell you that so sometimes you just gotta step back and they'll get there but uh stay weird <laughs> yes yeah, stay, stay weird stay thank weird. you Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much and uh, for those of you watching and listening stay tuned for a follow-up with the host hi uh we're back i'm christina brookman your host with speaking in spoons uh with the lovely lexi and nate and um we just uh, interviewed Jonathan uh, about his story of uh, autism and diabetes. So thoughts, anyone? What are you thinking? Um, I think it's hard to have a rare disease, but to have like one in like nine is really hard. Like, I mean, yeah. like only nine people like, Cause I don't know what I'd do without you, Christina, and you've got the same stuff. So like, you, like you understand me on a level no one else does. So like, I it's, know. it's, it's really very hard. important to have that. Yeah. So um, like an illness ride or die sort of situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> it, yeah. it really has become that like for yeah. us. Um, but I think like that's something I found online too with support groups and things like that. When you find people that kind of understand what you're going through, it's, you know, it helps um, kind of validate what you're feeling in a way. And validation is, that you wouldn't realize. Yeah. Give you advice, uh, shared doctors that they like going to if you're in the same areas or ones to avoid. Which yes. is also helpful. But yeah, I didn't realize there were so many different, I didn't realize there were different forms of autism. Like my mom was that. a speech, yeah, my mom was a speech therapist and that was kind of her um, niche of interest. Um, and she took me to uh, 
hear a speaker um, and I'm going to blink on her name and my mom is going to kill me. Oh my goodness. Um, but she, uh, she was nonverbal as a Temple Grandin. She was nonverbal as a child and then um, uh, became verbal. And, and she talks about like, she's so incredibly smart as many people with autism are. And um, she does a lot of work with animals. She does advocacy speaking, um, but she talks about how we really aren't, the world isn't set up for um, people on the spectrum or any kind of um, people uh, that, you know, might think differently, you know, um, that might need a more of a visual path then um so yeah i had no idea there were i mean i you think of like the nonverbal, or and then you think of higher functioning i didn't realize i thought what he talked about was really interesting and then um his descriptions were so vivid like Mm -hmm. the hurricane in in my brain or um like the the script like everybody having a script that he doesn't have I think he's very, very in- the hurricane and the brain thing. I don't know. Yeah. If you that electric feeling like, and that swirly feeling. I hate with that. the ADHD. Is that what you were? Cause I know you mentioned that with him. I think it's, I, I don't know if it's the ADHD or if it's the hemiplegic migraines or I don't, I don't know what's what anymore. You know, just, they all kind just, of blend together into like this brown yeah, it's yeah. Just like it's like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers combined. They're just like this. <laughs> Is it the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Yeah. What well, were you thinking, Nate? It's just hard to differentiate when you're dealing with multiple comorbidities. That- yeah. What what is what and what is like people always ask me when I have something. Is was it my MS? And it's like I don't know. Like it's just my body. It's not. MS is such an ambiguous label. I, I have difficulty explaining it to people. It's just because it's not something that happens to me that's the MS. It's like something happens and it could be related. It could be related, but it cannot not. be related. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter in what it is. It's like I'm just now figuring out if I like to, trying to distinguish between fibro flares and other kinds of pain. And you like, yeah. I'm trying. It's I'm so trying hard to because it's like, yeah, because you have so many different types of pain. It's like, what's what is what in is the one thing influencing or causing the other? And but I Jonathan think Nate's right. So yeah. self aware to be like, yeah, to, to so self like he obviously has done that so, because like he, you know, with his descriptions, like you know, that's that's something he's obviously done. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I think he's definitely worked through that and continues to work through it. And I think what he also talked about, like where people called him like the autism whisperer, (laughs) I think some of that introspection for himself maybe comes from being able to see it in like the the other people that his friends that he had with autism that were lower functioning kind of watching how they were going through stuff that he was understanding. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I have to ask him that. But um, that well, level of introspection is is really cool and important, I think. It, ta- it can take years for that. Mm-hmm. I think some of it is more also communication. Like, I think a lot of people get labeled as lower functioning, but it's just an inability to communicate effectively or at all. Yeah. Like well, that's exactly it yeah talk yeah and like there's this I, I read this story about i don't know maybe it was on a podcast but it was just about this kid who um he was deaf but he had no idea he was deaf because his grandfather just raised him and he never went to school and they never figured out that he was deaf and then when he got put into a regular school finally after i think after his grandfather passed he was just completely lost like they thought he was dumb because he just did anything and it wasn't until a teacher realized that he was deaf that finally he started learning he easily picked up fine and it was just it was just like i think there's like i know 
when I was working with autistic children, some of the children were not stupid. They They're just not at all. Yeah. were not able yeah. to verbally say what was going on. And it was almost, it was almost doubly injurious because they would be put with the lot lower functioning kids. So they're just yeah. being be a classroom of just children screaming and him yeah. just sitting there and, you know, just soaking it all in because he couldn't, you know, educate. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the, like the stories of like violence and anxiety and stuff with, uh, these kids comes from is because like can you imagine not being able to communicate what you want or need you know like you can think it you can feel it you can see it in your brain but you can't formulate the words right. um like and that's that's i mean we experience it for just a little bit you know i can't imagine that being like a constant level and, and particularly as a small child um you know and that's applicable to you know like the hearing impaired as well you know that are unable to speak and um it's it's communication is so vital mm -hmm. you know um and there's so many different ways to communicate it's just as a society we have created this structure of verbalization you know um, and, and writing, reading. So we've got the visual and we've got the verbal communication. When the funny thing is like physical, uh, like body communication is universal. Um, so finding ways to utilize that. And, you know, like my mom always talks about coming up with a storyboard or like, you know, like, like putting on the fridge pictures of what, you know you'd want like favorite types of food picture of a toilet like things like that so you know the kid can easily point to what they want um so i do know that there's like this also like a lot of controversy like in the autistic community because there's like you know about with the different learning structures like different types of um you know is um ABA is it ABA yeah um yeah whether like ABA is the way that they should be you know learning or you know and also I know that also there's like a lot of and I don't want to offend anybody that feels this way um by saying this but I know and I know we've used this he even used this term um Jonathan did um high functioning and I know that like a lot of people don't like that term. So I do want to apologize because I know that has been said, um, but yeah. And so I'm sorry if you don't uh, like, I'm sorry if we offended you. Um, that wasn't our intention or, you oh, know. Yeah. And I thanks just... for saying that Lexi, because it's not, I think it's, it's hard and confusing because it's still in a process. We had terms for a certain period of time. Those have changed. Yeah. They're still in the process of being, of changing. Like there was Asperger's, there were different levels and now it's. But you know, I, if you are that person that, that felt offended, like educate us, please. We yeah. want to learn. Send in a message to us. Tell us what um you would pre be preferred to call it. And we can, you know, update the website and our episode too. Cause that's, I mean, yeah. it's, we need to learn. Yeah. Um, if you want to come on, come on. <laughs> uh, I love just poetry. He's a, uh, he's a very talented poet. Um, and I want to, I'm going to talk to him, see if we can videotape him doing some poetry and put it on the website, like slam poet kind of thing. That would be cool. Okay. Um, slam with Jonathan. Slam with John. So we got, yeah, we, what we, we got, got um, Oh, on the road with yeah on the road with larue and uh slamming with jonathan or jamming with jonathan i don't know we'll come yeah. up with better names <laughs> that mean we have to write poetry too for this slam or is it just he's going to do it i'm okay. out nobody wants to hear my poetry <laughs> it's gonna be bad do you want to nate are you gonna contribute to this is I'm that what feeling you're feeling the call i think i'll I make the coffee the i'll be in the coffee house but i'm not i'll doing do the, the beat poetry. i'll get a little drum yeah. <laughs> hey cool cats got some poetry to lay down for you be like a 60s vibe we need a drum 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll do the drum. Yeah, yeah. You need to get a yeah. drum. Okay, yeah. I have a pot, and like, well, we'll do some poetry nights. Or we'll have pillows on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> pillows, pillows everywhere. Pillows galore. And oh, that's my my poem. Spoons speaking poetry. Bring in the raindrop. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but I feel just a speaking in spoons poem of some kind. Speaking spoons, disease, health, hello, word associations. Dun, 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 dun. Guys, you the like. <laughs> You gotta do the interpretive oh. dance with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, someone could dance, yeah. And I'll and play the Oh, drum. I'm not dancing. I'll throw out my back. <laughs> I'll put Phoenix on to do that. I'll pop out a rib like I did this morning. Just ride on the for floor. the room. Ride on the floor. There you go. Nate's doing interpretive dance. Yeah. We're your cheerleaders, Nate. You've got it. You've got it. Work it. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. I can see it. We'll all need to get little beanies, though. I'm glad you have a vision. Yeah. Yeah. Sixties. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, he also <laughs> talked with them about his diabetes. Um, what did you guys think of that? What was any thoughts on that? It's got to be really hard. Like. Yeah. I just I know that there's a time period I'm going to be a type two eventually because like with Picos it's not if it's when, but and I'm not looking forward to it so I can't imagine like having to deal with that as a kid I know it's different with type 2 and type 1 also but like isn't type 1 harder to manage I think they're both hard I they're just a different um I know my cousin is type 1 and she always I think I know it was difficult for her in that like a lot of us have been saying she just wanted to be normal so she didn't really want to take her meds. She didn't want to, when she had the um, pick line, she didn't yeah. really want to do that. Um, so she wanted had a, a real soda. She wanted, yeah, she just wanted to be normal. She didn't want other kids to see her as different or anything. But then yeah. in she doing was. that, she made it harder on herself. And then she, you know, ended up having a lot of seizures. Yeah. Um so uh because she has seizure disorder too so like they and they both like kind of affected each other not taking her medicine um you know and that's rough um i think uh like what was it like for you guys like i was sick growing up and i had different medical issues but it's like it was a slow progression for me which kind of was nice because it's like i slowly adapted to this crap you know and got used to it and i watched my mom go through it and she was treated horribly like i feel she my whole life she was called a hypochondriac by people you know you know family friends doctors you know and i viewed her like that for a while until like now that things have gone worse with me and i've been like officially diagnosed with things that now they're like oh this is what your mom had we just didn't know now i'm like well crap i feel awful that she was put through this um i just kind of went a tangent but i guess my point is i can't imagine being like i talked about in uh a um one of my spoony sundays about tori spelling's daughter's teenager just got diagnosed with hemiplegic migraines yeah Um, and like it's i can't imagine getting that kind of diagnosis as a kid you know when you're even more wanting to be huh well like hms by most doctors standards and still written in the literature it mainly affects children but it's like so a lot of doctors don't even like you know take it seriously like a lot of doctors don't take it seriously if you're an adult and then are starting to have hms which right. you know for you and me was the case right and it's the case for a lot of people but um it, so i mean in a way you know at least she's getting the treatment early because like i wonder if we would be this bad 
if we had gotten treatment earlier. Well, not just the HM for me, like, because my Ehlers-Danlos, I was 28 when I was diagnosed and at the yeah. same time POTS and both of that stuff, I, like I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia as a teenager, but yeah. that was at a time when the medical community still really didn't recognize it as yeah. a legitimate disorder. Like that was a recent thing. So like most of my medical stuff was a progression, but I didn't get, like, it started getting really bad in my twenties, my, my mid twenties. Yeah. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Um, so I was just, I just, I, I can't imagine knowing that I was going to be different, that it was going to be different for me and, and harder for me as a kid when you're just wanting to be normal anyways. I mean, I kind of went yeah. through that, but I don't know. What was it like for you guys? Um, as a kid, um, I was gaslit completely. <laughs> and yeah. um, I was told that, I mean, like we found out a few things, but, um, you know, but that, that was very obvious things. And, you know, yeah. I was, it, it was medical neglect in a lot of ways, but, yeah. um, and then in my twenties, you know, because I didn't, couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford the doctors. I was scared of the doctors by that point. Um, cause there was like a little bit of mucousiny kind of shit going on, um, with, you know, things like in therapy and, um, you know, like anytime I get a diagnosis, she would take it as her diagnosis. Munchausen's? Well, no, like, so if I like, like, if I got diagnosed with something, she'd be like, oh, well, I have that. And it's yeah. like, yeah. or the guy down the street gets, gets diagnosed with something. I think I have that too. But, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, there were misdiagnoses and, yeah. you know, you know, it, it, I, it would take friends calling my mom for her to actually do anything. Um, you know, so then I was scared of the doctors and now at 26, I got diagnosed with HMs and then, well, I got diagnosed with MTHFR first and that's because my mom got diagnosed. And so they did a test on me and I got, then I got that and then I got HMs and then after 2020, after COVID, that's whenever I got most of these diagnoses. So, gotcha. um, but I always felt sick, but I was always punished for being sick. Yeah. So I yeah. was, sucked it up and I always thought of it as like okay you gotta level up you gotta level up like a video game character you know I'm level 38 yeah and you know life doesn't stop because you have a migraine but because you're blind or because you're like you know um which is hard now because your body's just like no because I have chronic fatigue so now my body's like no you're not doing jack shit and I still want to get up. You know me. You hate me whenever I come over because, like, I'll just try to do stuff and then I'll pass out during conversation. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm, budget your if spoons. I'm, if I'm awake, I'm using my spoons and then I pass out. <laughs> budget them. What about you, Nate? Well, I mean, my dad had what I have since I was born. So I always knew about it and I always felt different because of that. But when I actually got sick, like diagnosed was in 2009, but I had been, I felt I had problems long before I was diagnosed. Yeah. Like diagnosis only came cause I had my first like physical symptom, I guess, of arthritis, yeah. but I was fatigued. I had trouble peeing. I had trouble with, uh, I had sex problems. I don't want to get into that too much, but like stuff that like, but it was all stuff that I could hide. Yeah. Like and, and keep from people. So I did. Like I kept all my problems. Like even when I got my diagnosis, I kept my problems, my problems. I didn't put them on people. And I mean, it's only now, I guess, even now, like when you can physically see I have problems, I still don't complain about it usually. Like I today, people don't want to hear about it. Yeah. I just don't think it helps me to talk because today I've had this like ear pain all morning and I've just I haven't brought it up just because when I do people either freak out about it or 
you know, or don't care. Like it's either one, like one of the two extremes. And I just don't feel like I want to share it. So I just don't. And I think for me, I just feel different and I'm, I've come to be okay with that, I guess. And then I hold, I, I feel the same way. And then I hold it all in until I get to the doctor's office. And then I just look like Charlie from the, um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like with the, like the conspiracy theory, like all the, I just talk like him. I'm like, and then there's the tinnitus and then there's this and then there's this. And then that just look crazy <laughs> because I'm trying to get all of the like stuff that I've been holding in. Like, oh, that ear pain. I need to tell you about that. You know, what are they going to? I don't like drugs, so the only thing they do is drugs. So it doesn't even help to go tell the doctor my problems because I don't want to do anything that they want to do. My doctor's prescribing the documentation, Nate, will help you in your application for disability. Yeah, and you know? establishing a long, a long, a history, history of ever. what's been going on with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like poisoning myself just so I can get disability. You That's don't have to take, but see, like, you, you don't can have go to, to an take medicine. Wellness. You can go to an integrated wellness doctor. Like, I'm going to one right now, and he's like prescribing me a breathing machine, like, not a machine, but like a, like a, a meditation like thing that you hook to your ear and you hold and you meditate with it and it brings you down and like it helps you heal and then like he's doing um like a fitbit tracker that's like and diet and exercise like there's there are doctors that will work with what you want i i mean integrative doctors to me i can't use them because i have medicaid but i do a lot of i use stuff. them and i have medicaid oh well, maybe medicaid. medicaid's different state to state so um, check with your state um because it is a state run um thing medicare is the federal but um with your uh what you still can do nate is get checkups like with your primary care to just establish what's going on like they're not going to prescribe you anything and you can also go to a neurologist just for scans you know I do. I am doing all the mainstream secular secular things because I've been kind of pushed that way by family and friends and, you know, doctors yeah. like to, I mean, I go, I just don't really think they have. Anything. I understand. I was the same way until I found a doctor that I really liked. When and... you have to do what's right for you. I'm just saying it's good for documentation for when you want to apply to disability because you do have a legitimate condition you know yeah. and that helps you back it up i i mean i just don't know well they like to tell us when we're young that we don't <laughs> that yeah. we're not sick well, that's, i've been di denied disability not because i'm not on meds it's because i'm too young to have my illness yeah yeah so, which is baloney right. fish yeah, yeah. But we're too old to have our illness christina <laughs> oh yeah well maybe it's the opposite what for are you, you talking about i'm the oldest one here Oh, no, it was just a joke. I know. It's always a kid's thing, so. No. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I'm feeling that. Uh, so I was also interested in the fact, like, and this has gone on with my, my dad now has diabetes, and he said he, that he can almost just, it was something that um, Jonathan talked about. You can just, You've been doing it so long, like tracking food, like tracking sugar and all of that. He can just look at something and know, like, you know, pretty much guesstimate how much sugar is in it, how many calories, how many carbs, like that kind of thing, how it's going to affect him. Like, I want that superpower. I don't want, like, I know that's not to say that you, you know, you want diabetes so you have that superpower, but being able to, yeah. like, I have no concept. Yeah. But I, but I I can imagine that stressful like that adds a whole other level of stress for him to have to be concerned about that. And like when yeah, he's I mean, battling like a like hurricane and all of that, like trying to keep track of that at the same time, like you have all these balls in the air. Yeah. I um yeah, like the uh hurricane like um like the McDonald's salads, they all have like 2000 cat like so much sugar more sugar than the ice cream cone yeah. like so like you know you think you're being healthy but like and so you got to watch out for things like that and like because that could kill him a mcdonald's salad could kill him 
most salads at most places will kill you because the serving portions are so large and the um the dressings that they put on that are so yummy yeah yeah uh, i love dressing <laughs> wow it's evil right in a glorious way i know <laughs> oh man i need uh now i want a salad is it almost lunchtime? It is. Okay. Well, on that note, do you guys have any final things you want to say before we sign off? Jonathan was really sweet. He and was. I'm sorry I had to sign off and leave in the middle of it, Jonathan. It's okay. You'll be back for our poetry slam. Yay. <laughs> so um stay tuned, guys. Uh go to our website. We've got everything up um and updated um and many exciting things coming up for you next month stay tuned bye yeah. If you want to contact us, please send a DM or an email to speakingatspoons at gmail.com with any stories you have or if you'd like to interview with us on any of our upcoming topics. Thank you for listening to Speaking in Spoons and have a great day.